Hey yo, we about to tear it up. Yo, break for break, break for break, get drunk. This right here is how we do it. Break it down. It's the Breakouts podcast. We break things down to the very last compound. My name is Summit, aka your goat's favorite British guy. And my name is Chris Mitchell, aka the actual factual. Hey man, we got some royalty in the building, man. Come on. Uh and I ain't talking about you, Chris, because you know, you, okay. you 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 have you have some jewels out here, you have some crowns out here. Thank but we you. ain't talking about you. We have um we have someone from uh, our European brethren, even though we're Brexit out here in a trash UK. <laughs> um we have our we have our European brethren. But we have someone who um we're getting straight to it. Someone who supported us in in our endeavors separately and together. Um, but that's not something that is um, removed from this person. This person is always about supporting the culture, all elements of the culture, and has been doing it since the 80s. Um, from a place uh, called Croatia, Zagreb. Um, listen, man, I love Croatia because they're Dejan Lovren, a Liverpool fan, in it? So I, I ain't messing around, and you get me? Dejan Lovren with a G, my G. Um, but this, this, this individual... DJ Fat Philly has, has been part of the culture for a very long time, has been part of the community, has has very much um very kid, has very much uh provided his passion, love, um, blood, sweat, and tears into this culture. And we're very glad to have him here on Breaking Items today. DJ Fat Philly, man, how you doing, man? I'm great, man. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Um I've I've been checking out the show. We've been supporting it on on blackouthiphop.com, making sure that you know it's it's out there for people that want to check it out. I know you guys go deep. Uh, you know, it's not just your regular hip hop chit chat. This this is these are the podcasts that we can just go beneath the surface, and then we can just go dig in really really deep uh, for for real hip hop connoisseurs. And I salute you for that. But also through ninety tapes community, we were able to kind of connect. And then, and now we're doing this, man. I'm reporting live from Zagreb, Croatia. I love it. I love it. I love it. Listen, I mean, I, I think it's a real testament to, to the, to the respect you have from some of our favorite MCs and some of our favorite people within hip hop that you have always supported everyone that you come across. You've fostered year, 20, 30 years of connection with people from across the other side of the world within hip-hop, within the community. It's a testament to who you are. It's a testament to your passion. It's a testament to your love for the culture that I think that should be celebrated. It should be put front and center. And you were saying, uh, you were saying off mic, that it's a, it's a generational thing. Um, and, and you know what? That's, that's my biggest, uh, just being lucky. If I wasn't lucky uh, being born here, uh, per se, because I was not from the hip hop, you know, hip hop countries, but we had to make it hip hop for us. Uh, but I am truly glad that I was born in 1975, and then I was able to witness, um, you know, hip hop's early journey. Uh, you know, from 1984 is where I remember I I kind of saw the breakdancing, heard the first songs on the radio, and and. And I've been following the journey, and I entered the journey myself uh, since since that time, which is almost forty years. And I'm forty seven. I'm gonna be forty eight. So like forty years out of my life, I've been connected to the hip hop somehow, some way. 
obviously first as a fan for many years, just finding things out, learning English because we don't speak English here, you know what I'm saying? Uh, trying to understand the meaning of it. And, but something that got me to it was the, was, the, was the beat, man. The drums, it's something that resonates with me. I'm a break, break beat fanatic and, it, and it's all about the drums. Leave it to the drums. Um, and so that's just been, it's just been a phenomenal ride, man. And, and, and also another thing, man, before we go uh, deeper is that I was born, like I said, here, this was Yugoslavia and then it became Croatia. Uh, but it, this wasn't a hip hop country. Uh, information was very limited. We were on the other side of the iron curtain, as they said back in the day, you know, socialist communist cut country, but pretty liberal, um, uh, especially in the eighties. Um, so it was tough to get the information and I was hungry for info. So I had to make the move. I had to get that passport and start traveling. And then I met all my heroes. That's amazing. Listen, I, I, I think the thing you, before I over to Chris, I think the thing you mentioned there about, um, the iron curtain and in, in history, people can go look up what happened. Uh, you know, pre-post-war, you know, pre the Berlin Wall coming down, all of that. Just think about how information was traveling back then. And just think about how this culture, hip-hop that's come from the Bronx and, you know, West Indian culture and then going to the Bronx and has traveled all all the way through. London isn't the only place in, in Europe, ladies and gentlemen. It's not the only place. And it traveled all the way to, to Croatia, Zagreb, which also is a lovely country too. I must have had friends who go, they love it. They're, the beaches are lovely. So, like, it's amazing that it's traveled that far. And for a lot of people, hip-hop would be one way, like, for a lot of people, friends or TV shows, how they learn English, how they learn slang and hip hop would have been uh, for a lot of people, how they, their first introduction to English. And so it's just amazing that the vibrations you talked about the beat it's the vibrations that was hitting you, the frequencies that really resonated with you that has brought you in and, and look where you are. So man, hats off, bro. Thank you, man. And you know, we, we, sometimes we're not even aware of that, but those vibrations and those, that, that aesthetic that you have in you as your DNA, something, when I first heard it, I knew I was going to get involved, even at, at eight years old, when I first heard it, I knew somehow the inner feeling was telling me, this is something that is going to change my life. And it did indeed change my life because I'd never done anything in my life ever apart from hip hop. Never, I never had a job. I never wanted to do anything. Everything that I was putting my effort into was obviously the school, but that then, then how, how do I better myself to be, you know, how do I advance in the game? How do I let people know that I exist? So man, it's just been a fun ride, man. I'm, I'm the most, um, thankful person in on earth to be able to call hip hop my my religion, my nationality and my culture. Amazing. Amazing. Um I hear a link in your story. Um it reminds me of Summit's story and when you talk about getting your passport, going abroad, different countries and and meeting your heroes. Talk about that process for me like you know when you once you got that passport, where did you go and what were and who were some of those heroes that you went and looked for and how did you meet them? Yeah man, so uh but by the time I turned uh, uh, fifteen, I mean, I had we, you know, we always had passports. But by the time I turned fifteen, I was able to go 
uh, and that was 1991, summer 91, I was able to go to New York to, as an exchange student, it was still Yugoslavia, just about to become Croatia, and then the war starts and all of that. But that summer of 91, my mom sent me out to Long Island and New York, New York, to um, to learn English, to, start, to perfect my English. I had pretty good English because I started learning English from like when I was like maybe five, six in my building in Zagreb, which is a you know an apartment building. Um, there was a lady uh, one floor beneath. She was an English teacher, and and she. Uh, and my parents wanted me to start learning English from just being young. And I hated it because every day at 6 p.m., I had 30-minute lessons. And I hated it because I was it was my game time. I was my playtime, bro. I'm, I'm just four, five, six years old. And she's like, Philip, that's my real name, Philip, you are going to thank me one day for being able to speak a proper English, which is very important for being out of this country, you're going to have to speak English so the world can understand you. And I'm very grateful for this old lady. She was at that time, she was almost like 78, almost 80, 80 years old. But she was an English teacher and she wanted to make sure that I learned my so 91, I go to New York. Um just as a just as um as a kid, as a high school kid. And then I'm in I'm in Long Island and and I'm like, I know this is the, this is where EPMD is from. This is where Daylight is from. Public Enemy. You know, I'm just like 15 years old, so I'm I'm still not in. I don't still I still don't have the radio show. I'm just a fan. And um, I remember just spending two months on Long Island and uh, bumping at this uh, mall called the Brookhaven Mall. I bumped into just by accident into PMD and K Solo. That's out of just them shopping for shoes. And I'm like, oh my God. Because here in Yugoslavia at that time, we had like um, a TV station that was like an exper experimental TV station. And they would have program from 6 to 3 p.m. And after 3 p.m., they would switch to London and to UK MTV. So I'm talking 88, 89. So they, they had the bootleg. UK MTV, obviously they didn't pay for that. They just took the signal and they were, and so from 3 p.m. until the next day, six in the morning, we had a chance to watch MTV. And if you remember at that time, or, you know, people, in, or you know that at that at that time, the first Yo! MTV raps actually started in London, uh, on, on MTV London, and, and the show was called Yo! hosted by Sophie Bramley. A French lady. So we were able to see in Yugoslavia those videos. And that's how obviously I knew how PMD looked. So I see PMD, I see K Solo. My English is not great at that time. So I'm like, yeah, hey, what's up, guys? I'm from Zagreb, Yugoslavia. And look, you know, this is wow. You know, Fugitive was out. You know, first two albums by EPMD were out. And I just gave them a pound and I kept it moving. That same year, I go to the Stony Brook University and then I see for um you know black boys uh hanging out in front of the jeep bumping you know like 91 everybody had those jeeps and they were bumping some hip-hop at the at the in front of the at, you know in front of the university and then i just went over there to introduce myself and i found out that these boys were the djs on uh 
college radio called uh, WUSB, Stony Brook University, Long Island, and they had a, a, a they, they had a show called Club USB, which was a hip hop show underground from like one till like six in the morning. You know, college radio. So I started listening to the show when I'm in New York, and I'm like recording the tapes, and then ends up being uh, Diamond J. You know, DJ Diamond J, who was one of the first, uh, uh, one of the one, uh, I think Craig Craig Mech's first DJ, and then he he was the D, he's now current DJ of EPMD. So that's my first uh, trip as a school kid. But then London was my big my big travel. Ninety six was London. Me trying to get rid of my uh, my university. I was playing violin. I, I enrolled the university, and I was just finishing up the first year, and I wasn't happy with it. It was always the turntables and violin. So where do I go? Should I become a professional violinist because my dad is a classical musician? But my heart was into hip hop, so I, I I leave the university. I go to London. My grand, great my great grand aunt lived in St. John's Wood in London, and she was pretty well off over there. So I want to go to London to kind of like see how hip hop looks in London. I wanted to find out everything about the scene in London. And bro, I met by the time I left London, uh, probably so that's ninety six from August to December. DJ MK told me. When you left London, uh, we all knew about Croatia. Like everybody on the scene, I met everybody on the scene there, you know. Um, and London in those years for younger folks, 96 in London was fucking amazing, you know, uh, from Fuji's and Nas at the Brixton Arena, uh, Brixton Academy, from, from KRS at the Hackney Theater, from Smooth Hustler, Trigger the Gambler, in some somewhere also uh, uh, in Rapping Hackney, uh, from J. Rule Primo and Alpha Ride, Ding Walls, Outcast, and uh, Funky DL, Black Twang at at Subterranea, Nine at, at Club UN. Yo, it was so many things. Shorty Blitz, DJ Two Seven Nine, Copmaster Swift, DJ MK, DJ Pogo. Uh, rest in peace, DJ Swing, DJ Sets at uh, uh, Bar Rumba, at, at Piccadilly, uh, record stores such as uh, Wild Pitch and Deal Rail and Mr. Bongo, where I was just digging daily. Man, '96 in London was my 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 uh, was my big change, man, and 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 he got me to the point where I was so inspired that I had to go back home and implement some of the, the techniques and the knowledge and the connections that I made in London to benefit, to, to better my local scene. You, you know who you remind me of? That's an amazing story, by the way. Well, you know who you remind me of? Do you remember that show, Quantum Leap? Where the guy would just go, like, it was, a, it was a story about this dude and he would just go to different places in time, in history. Like, one week he'll be in a Western and one week he'll be in the future. You are, like, the hip-hop Quantum Leap man. Like you have literally just connected so many dots and scenes in the last 34 years. It's amazing. And you've mentioned names, you know, shout out to MK, friend of the show, shout out to Shorty Blitz, friend of the show. Like in St. John's Wood, my grandma was actually a cleaner in St. John's Wood. She asked, she cleans a rich lady's house in St. John's Wood in 96 when you was around. So shout out, shout out and rest in peace to Mrs. Williams. Like Mrs. Williams was rich 
Like my grandma used to come home with those fancy chocolates at Christmas. Mrs. Williams used to send those. So shout out to her, man. Like it's it's just really it's just really interesting to hear how you took your passion for hip hop and didn't just contain it, but you you know you hit the road literally and you shared it and you became an ambassador for your for your country and for your culture. And I, I think that's just a beautiful thing, man. You mentioned subterranean, and I just smiled because I never got to go. That's like one of my biggest hip hop regrets, and you was there. That's dope. Because you you're probably younger than me. I'm a little younger than you, not not much, but a, li- a little younger than you. I wasn't I wasn't outside like you were, Philly. I wasn't outside. I was in church. Okay. I, I was I, in church. I get, it. I get it. You know, my, my my parents are very liberal. My my pa- my parents are both both artistic, and they kind of nourished my. Even though we I, I come from a falling marriage, my pops left and. But he, we, we stayed, you know, we stayed uh, together as me and pops and me and mom separately, obviously. But they, they cherished my, uh, you know, they, they nurtured me in, in, and they were, they wanted me to be happy. They never pressured me to, to do anything I didn't want to do. And that's, that's the, that's the lovely part of my journey. And just for me being able to study the, study the culture in the eighties. And then when I was a little older, I was able to get on the road and then not come as somebody that just learned about the culture, but I already had 10, 10 years or 12 years before just studying it myself in my room as a kid, you know? So yeah, 96 man London was a game changer opener for me. Um, uh, you know, just listening to Westwood radio shows, uh, going to Choice FM in Brixton to to witness 279 doing Friday Night Flavor, um, finding the finding these these clubs and these racket stores, and it was just an amazing. I think it was just like a some of the last dope years that were happening in in the world. You know, from like maybe until 2000 was different, and then it changed. The dynamics changed because there was a lot more money in the rap, and it just became very uh monet monet uh, orient monetize monetation orient yeah yeah Money. yeah yeah so before it was a lot of still a lot of culture was evolved with so i was happy to see london in 96 and then really i really wanted to go back to new york so by 97 i started going back to new york annually sometimes even twice a year because i was already on the radio i started a radio show in 1993 called blackout rap show with my partner DJ Fix, um, and we were the second generation of radio DJs in Croatia. Our first rap show here that I grew up on was called Electro Funk Premiere, uh, and then later changed its name to Rap Attack. It started July thirty first, nineteen eighty four. That was the first rap radio in Croatia on Radio One Hundred One FM, and that same station. You know, ten years after I get this, I get the show on that same station that I grew up. So for me to have that information from Slavin Balin, who's the Mister Magic of Croatia, or 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 Chuck Chilan or Red Alert of Croatia, um, you know, to get that, you know, those thirty minutes weekly when he played Egyptian Lover and Tricky T and UTFO and and and, and Run DMC, and then he would go even more deeper playing some off like one 12 inch bands and stuff, you know, it was an amazing, you know, so I, I was a religious listener of that show. And that's what actually gave me an advantage because if I lived in any other town without hip hop information, maybe my fire 
wouldn't be fueled at all times. But you were getting these weekly shows and you were like, okay, at least that, but you didn't even understand it as a kid, but at least I'm on, I'm staying on, on top of things. So dude, yeah, it was, it was fun. And then, and then when I'm becoming older, you learn to find out that, uh, you know, the third partner of Sugar Hill Records was, was, was from my neck of the wood, you know, Milton Malden, who was a partner with Joey Sylvia Robbins. He was a Yugoslav diplomat in New York. And he was the guy who was put there to control the finances of Sugar Hill. And then to find out that ex-Yugoslavia was the only, only communist country in the, in the, in Europe and to have, um, hip hop license from the U.S. on low, on local pressings. Uh, you know, so that we had Sugar Hill and Grandmaster Flash in 1980. We had uh, Melly Mel with Beat Street. We had Shannon. We had Beastie Boys. We had LL Cool J, Run DMC, Jazzy Jeff, Bad Boys, uh, The Bomb, The Bass even, Mantronics, all released on, on local vinyl and tape. So that was also a little bit of... Now, we didn't have Public Enemy it takes a nation, but for some reason they pressed up bigger in Denver. And for some reason they pressed up, he's the rapper, I'm the DJ. You know, you know how the companies were, there were record companies here. And it was very interesting. How do they choose these rap albums to be pressed up? And why not, you know, why not PE? So we had two Beastie Boys albums. The first two ones we had, one LL album, two Fat Boys albums, and a couple of Sugar Hill releases. So I'm thinking maybe the first Sugar Hill went well uh, was because of Milton. I think Milton was the guy who was, um, you know, sending the the information back to his old land of Yugoslavia, and that's how the first releases got got here. I even have a a, a trade magazine called The Record World from 1981, which was it was a music trade mag sort of like hits magazine afterwards and stuff that there was uh, only for the music industry you can just buy it but it was you know it was, it was sent to the labels and, and artists and management so in, in 1981 after the sugar hill uh uh, uh delight success they 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 printed the whole record world dedicated to sugar hill and this is where i found out about milton Malden because his only printed interview was from that magazine and Nelson George was an interviewer, uh, famous Nelson George. And then there's a story of Milton being from over here and, you know, just come, going into the hip hop business. And I was like, wow, you know, when I was a kid, I was, it was always like, wow, we have somebody right there from the beginning. You know, we are part of the lineage. We are part of the, tr the, the tree, the, the, you know, the family tree. And then now that I'm 47 and I'm more into the culture, I'm more into the history. I'm like, you know how this important, you know, this is super important and it makes me so proud. So yeah, man, you know, I'm, I'm blabbering. I'm going all the way back. No, 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 it's, it's important. I, I want, I want to let the people know that we here, unlike Poland, unlike Bulgaria, unlike Budapest or Soviet Union or Romania, we had hip-hop information and it, 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 it helped me it groomed me to who i am right now obviously from 91 95 96 i was grooming myself <laughs> 
but I needed that. I needed that good solid beginning, my anchor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So, so you talked about how inspired you were with the travels, and it's amazing to hear that story. Also, you're also Funkmaster Flex. If it's Slavin is Mr. Magic or Chuck Chill Out, that makes you Funkmaster Flex in the lineage. That's I'll great. That. I'll take that. that. Absolutely. <laughs> Just we'll get, get you some selection of bombs, but you're, you, you've got different energy to Funkmaster Flex in a very good way. So we'll, you will <laughs> we'll do that. Um, so if we, we'll go back and forth now. You talked about your inspiration back then, and it's very clear. How do you stay inspired now and maintain your passion for rap and journalism now, given 30 years, 25 years in the game? Like, it's a long time. After a while, can get you can get a bit exasperated. I know I have been in that place. So how do you maintain your your passion? And- I think I, it's just my, my, my family energy. You know, my father is the same way. My father... He's 70 years old and he is the double bassist uh, here in, uh, in, he just retired, but he's still a professor at the Academy of Music, but he retired from his band where he played since 1979. My daddy's energy, he, we just live off the music and the music is something that just keeps us going. Like I had never been this excited about hip hop culture uh, ever in my life. And I was never disappointed with it. I was never down. I was never depressed. Uh, it's just that for me, it's just been more and more and more and more. Um, I have to say that now we have 50 years of, of hip hop, right? And there's a lot of things that I missed out just being, not being in New York, not being in London. So there's a lot of ground to cover. So I'm going way back instead of sort of like moving forward with the music and the trends and stuff i i decided to go back to really find find out the roots of something that made me happy and made me who i am today and to be able to speak to to the for the podcast in london it's crazy to me to be able to to run ig for 90 states it's crazy to me if everybody said that to me before but you know gradually i i i kind of the earn my ways to do these things, you know? Um, and I, I think I had to work twice as hard as somebody in, in, in some other territories where the hip, where hip hop was out there in the streets. I had to, I had to travel. I had to see, I had to, I wanted to meet my heroes and how I met my heroes is by creating opportunities for my heroes. I, I, I was actually the, the, the creator of, 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 of opportunities. And that's how I, I got a chance to meet, uh, like you said, the OC is one of your faves. OC, my first rap show that I put on in Croatia in 97 was OC. So obviously me and O, we have like almost like a 30 year old relationship. And me being such a fan of the music and respecting the craft, the culture, I always made sure that I keep in touch with everybody. You know, like I send out postcards and I, send texts and I call occasionally just to check on people. And then I'm thinking about people. Like I, you know, you have to think, you cannot forget about certain people that made a difference in your life. You know, when you listen to these records and they made you happy in your high school days, you're not going to be, you want to make sure that your your heroes are good. And if, if you can help them make a little bit of something on, on the beautiful craft they created, I want to be that guy. And I'm still that guy, writing checks. 
but every but every check but every check is a commission. So there's a or not it's not a commission. It's 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 you invest into something and you're waiting for the fruits to come back. So I invested a lot, and the music and the culture has been good to me. Yeah, and I, I think that's, that's wonderful. And and before I hand over to Chris, I wanted to not gloss over that part about opportunity because I think it's very important that you grew a love for a culture. You took it back home with you, all the experiences you learned, and you create this wonderful opportunity now in, in Croatia Zagreb where you can have artists come over, get paid, and introduce music to loads of people, to a new generation, and stood, still do it every year, every week. Talk about that. Talk about what you've done. Talk about some of the memorable shows you've done because what I don't want to do is gloss over the fact that you do put on shows and that you've been doing that for so long. I think it's very important because that builds a sense of community where, you know, for us, you talk about London, you talked about New York, Dingwalls and Subterranean and all those places where people congregated and that's where people build friendships. So the show that you put on is doing the exact same thing year after year, decade after decade. So talk about those opportunities and talk more about those memorable shows that you had from those times as well. Man, I, I had I had some good ones, bro. But you know, just London is a, is my biggest inspiration for just seeing things live and just you know even going to Westwood's Carnival. I was as well. I was I was in some of the biggest ones where you know uh, Jay Z will pull uh, you know just be on that stage or or, or or Common or I remember you know just a bunch of Lost Boys, Helter Skelter. Um, Go, I remember going to Hanover Grand to see Lost Boys and Health the Skelter in '96. I wanted to, I wanted to be that guy when I go home. I wanted to use some of the connections in London to start doing shows in Zagreb, and uh, I started doing shows in '97 at at a club called Aquarius in Zagreb. Uh, first uh, DJ that I brought was Cutmaster Swift from London. Then we brought Two Seven Nine. And then we got, and then we brought MK. All my friends that I, they were, they were, uh, they took care of me when I was in London. You know, they, they really took care of me, especially MK and, and Numbers. Um, so it's, Numbers sort of took me under his wing to help me navigate through my radio show, to help me navigate through my, you know, through just my hip hop journey that I was on, on embarking. Um, and uh, so 97, I get an opportunity to, so 97, we are celebrating four years of Blackout, our rap show, and I want to do something different. You know, I want to I wanna bring in international artists. And uh, through a London company called Profile Agency, it was a Profile Records, but shouts to Matt, Matt C from Profile Records in London, uh, who took, you know, he, you know I, in London, I, I met everybody uh, at the labels. So I was able to get the, the promos directly over there. But when I moved back in Croatia, I was able to get these promos sent to me. And that's how I was advancing because I had the no music. There was no MP3s, but I had the physical. So I was playing all these, everything that was, you know, played in London on the radio, maybe a week after I had it in Croatia. So my show was really, really popping. Just... Just because the show was popping, there was a community around the show because obviously that's going to be our congregation, our church. Uh, you know, I wanted to thank our people, our fans, by bringing some of the London DJs. And subsequently, I get an opportunity to do uh, OC 
uh, show on his Joel's tour in November 97. And uh, uh, we bring O, and then he brings Big L. My first show is with Big L and OC and DJ OG from DITC. And o Big L wasn't even announced. We didn't know that he was coming. I saw a fax machine with the uh, with no, with names for me to book the hotel and the flights, and I was like Lamar Coleman because we were already reading the, you know, the CD booklets and stuff. I was like, "Is that is that Big L?" And she was like, "Yeah, that's Big L." And I'm like, "Oh my god, I wish I knew Big L was coming. I would put him in the flyer." So they come, they rock, they stay for like two three days because they had the days off in between the shows, and they decided to stay in Zagreb. I was I paid for it. I was like, you know, we'll pay because my radio station was paying it at the time. So I was like, you know, let me hang out with these boys and then maybe I become a friend with them. And by them staying in Zagreb, um, I got them to do my radio show. Three hours with, with freestyles that are now in OC albums and stuff. Um, um, and then I had the video crew from Croatian TV, which I kindly asked to um, to do an interview for their show, which was called Top DJ Mag. So we did a full video interview with Big L and OC in one of the record stores in Zagreb. But not only that, Top DJ Mag comes to the gig in Aquarius and shoots the whole gig with two cameras. So 97, I'm already sitting on like six, seven hours of material. Didn't even know what I was going to do with it, but I know I wanted to document it. I, for some reason, I was like, I, I need to document the journey and these artists in Croatia. Because our first show, hip hop, was was 1994. Our first international rap show was Public Enemy at Ice-T in Zagreb in 94. In the middle of the war, they come on America's Most Wanted Tour, and there's 10,000 kids waiting for them to, to see them rock. And it was so memorable for me that I was like, dude, this is what I, what I want to do. I just, I just don't want to be a spectator. I want to put all these things. So yeah, OC Viga left. Um, I stay in touch with L because you know he kind of, uh, uh, you know, we kind of clicked. I stay in touch with O as well. And um, when when L passed away, his label, um, Raucous and and the manager Rich King, they uh, when when the Big Picture album went uh, went gold. They made sure I, I get the plaque sent to me, um, the, the gold plaque, and 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 you know so this this kind of this show, I mean, maybe I'm just so much focused on that one, but this is the one that my whole career was. It was following me my whole career. You know, I was the guy in Croatia who had Big L in '97, and I was the guy who taped Big L because there were such. There was not so much material out, out there from Al because he was with us for for not so so, so many years. So uh, that's the one. He got me my wings, and then and then the next one was Das Effects. Then it was J Rude the Damage I ninety nine, and then you know, uh, uh, and then came a bunch of other groups from Daylight to Premier, Jazzy Jeff, Dialing Peoples, uh, Rascal. Um, Raekwon, Inspector Deck, Ghostbate, all separately. Um, uh, MOP, the brand new heavies. Uh, 
yo, 100 gigs. I've done 100 US rappers since that rep, 100 since 97. And then I think I've done, I've done another 150 US art and UK artists on Fresh Island Festival, which I was a promoter and a co-founder of since 2012 t- until 2022. So, but the Zagreb, a part of it was mostly what I wanted to, what, what I was a fan of. And Fresh Island was more more business, you know, when you did, when you booking Chris Brown and Migos and French Montanas. I get and it. You, you had your tunnel and you had your summer jam. I get it. I understand yeah, it. I, so, yeah. I, I understand the flex. I understand it. <laughs> cool. I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, 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 justify it, but it, it was just a, it was dope to have that journey and to be able to deal with as a fan and then just to work with some of the major artists, the biggest artists in the world as a professional. So you helped me perfect my my uh, promoter skills, my hospitality skills. And, and that's how I became friends with a lot of these artists because, you know, I was just a different kid. You know, I was a kid that, uh, they, you know, he doesn't look and sound like Croatian. You know, I sound like I'm the homie from on the road. So they, they can't, they, I always felt everybody super comfortable here. And then I like to eat. So I was taking everybody to eat and drink, you know, and, and I guess that's how you make friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, eating, eating is a, it's a, it's a social activity, right? So yeah, it definitely makes sense. I love what you said about your journey. Like you talk about all these things that you've done, you've, you, you know, you've documented Big L and I remember seeing that freestyle, freestyle from Croatia and I didn't put the two and two together, but. I really appreciate how you talk about you're still covering ground. And that tells me that you still have a student mentality because, you you know, there's still things that you want to learn and, and uncover. Tell me about how you got into reissuing these classic records, you know, working with 90s tapes, because as far as I'm concerned, you are doing the Lord's work out here because you're introducing this music to a generation that couldn't access it. They either missed it or they're just discovering it for the first time. Like... How did you get into into reissuing these classic hip hop records? Man, it's it's a dream job, man. It's such a passion job for me. I was born to do it. Uh, it took time for me to to um, uh, you know do all these things to be able to do this uh, kind of uh, naturally for ninety states. Uh, you know, I was on I was since I was on the radio, and then I was I was running a blog blackouthiphop.com, which I still run it's, since two thousand and nine. Um, uh, I was, you know, I had noticed what what HHV was doing with the forty, uh, the boom bap forty fives, because uh, you you know at one time everybody was forty five and it was a lot of forty five movement going on, which I loved. You know, I always, I was never a big forty five collector. I had forty fives in my collection because obviously I was digging and and you know some records were given to me as as, as promos, but. Um, I was loving the 45 Boom Bap series and I reached out to HHV it, um, and I was like, uh, I would love to promote your releases in in my uh, part of the world uh, by, you know, writing about them on the blog and then playing them somewhere and then posting them socially. And, and they were like, cool, we'll put you on the list. So I was getting the product and I was always making sure that I, I put the feedback on or I post it or I share it. So people know, you know, if somebody sends you two joints and pay the postage, you want to make sure that that at least you sell another five, six copies for them. You know, if they spare two, at least have them sell eight. Um, and 
so I made I wanted to I wanted to uh, find out about more what they were doing because they were doing it a little bit differently than other labels. You know, they were digging a little bit more deeper. It was a little bit more well curated than some of the other labels. Even though I'm a fan of all the reissue labels, I I, I mess with Mr. Bongo. I mess with the Get Down. I mess with you know I, you know every you know uh, especially in the COVID times we were all buying and, and looking. You know everybody was was trying to buy something that they didn't have or a new reissue and stuff, even though I, I love to have my originals and, and my reissues. So I went to Berlin. I met the the, the label heads and I was like, you know what? Um, I have an, extent, an extensive network of, 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 of people in the hip hop industry just through my, my journey and my, my, my clubs and my festivals and me traveling. If you ever need an assistance, I'm here. I would love to help you. And slowly and surely, I was given an opportunity, and um, and I was able to to assist Ninety Steps on on two projects, and they were, you know, this is the this is the wish list, and uh, we want you to go out there and see if you can find these artists. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, let me try, and then I did. And, and it's been going on for a year and some change now. I've never done any, any uh, I've done my label back in the day. I mean, I, I used to manage and I still manage Kool-Aid, the producer. So, you know, the guy who did Beautiful for Master Ace and he produced for Das and he done tracks for Jada and a lot of other people and Diamond D and Sudat X. So we were putting our records, Kool-Aid records, because sometimes we would do these trades where we would, Ask for artists to drop 16s or full songs and then we will give them beats. So, you know, Master Ace gave us survival on wordplay records, uh, Dr. Laub in London in 2002 with Strick on the flip side. And then we gave him Something's Wrong with Young Z and Strick on Disposable Arts. So when it was time for Ace to record um, uh, Long Hot Summer, uh, he wanted a different record, but I wanted beautiful for us for Kool Aid, and 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 he gave us beautiful, but then he went home with it, and he was like, "Philly, I I need this record on my album too," and I was like, "Ace, of course, man, we'll both take the record and we're gonna put it out on ABB because I wanted to be on that ABB records wall." Benny B was a friend of mine because me and Benny. Uh, Benny B, the owner of ADB, we went to uh, me then in the south of France a few years together, and we were roomies there. The second year we uh, we were there, we we rented a, a crib together, and we became the close friends. And then I was like, Benny, if I give you a dope record from Kool Aid, would you put it on that wall with the Fire Eye and Dilated Peoples and Little Brother? He's like, Sure, just give me a dope record. So I gave him Beautiful, and I gave him I gave him Follow with Elder Sensei on the flip. And that's how we made the 12 inch of ABB and Ace put it on Lock on Summer. Slightly different version because our version doesn't have a hook because I didn't want the hook, but Ace recorded, recorded Wordsworth on the hook. So we have slightly different, two different versions and Ace re-recorded his vocals on, on Lock Hot Summer. So I was always into recording and releasing things. But this is the first time that I'm, that I'm doing some sort of a consulting stuff. And I was able to really 
do some magical work, man. And a lot, a lot more is coming, Chris. And I know you're heavily involved in the group that we have on Telegram. And then you are just supporting the label. And and I like to that you guys are recognizing the difference in the curation of 90 states, which is a little bit different than some of the other uh, our colleagues in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got, I've got to salute you, man. That group chat reminds me, because I used to be on a lot of the message boards back in the early 2000s. And that's how I found Little Brother. And, you know, I fell into this rabbit hole. And that group chat, definitely keeps me in touch in terms of new stuff coming out and stuff that I've missed. So look, man, you know, I'm a supporter here. I've got to pull out. I've got the bums. I know you were involved in that. Yes. Now this, I saw your name in there, the OC Jewels. It said, what is it? It said, reissue A&R Fat Philly. I said, look at this guy. You got your name in the credits, man. That's sick, bro. Isn't that crazy? That's that's you, bro. That's all you. I bought this album three times. I bought the third times because it's you. I said, Fat Philly and OC, I've got to do it, man. Man. Uh, imagine your name being on the project that you you listened to as a kid in 97 or 96, 95 uh, and then you were just a fan of it and now you can be a part of its legacy 30 years after and be mentioned not only OC but also BOMS I, I, I get the ANR credit there uh, Real Live Hard Knocks is Street Poets. These are the projects that I was able to assist with. And there's much more in the makings and where I'm constantly, um, you know, on trying to find these these gems that are making you guys smile. Dope, dope. Before I hand over to Summit, it would be remiss of me not to ask. Now, I know you're a fan and I'm a fan too. I need to know What's the holy grail in terms of 90s, 90s tapes? In terms of what are those albums? Just give me two or three that are on your wish list that you're like, listen, before I check out of this life, mm. I need to put these out. Hey, man, it's, it, it's tough to say, man. It's tough to say what's up and coming, to uh, to be honest. But for me, the one one of my proudest moments so far is, is, is finding MC Hardhead from the Hard Knocks. How did you do that? Dude, it, I, I call myself, you know how Jizz, I had the record called Investigative Reporters. <laughs> I, am the, I, I, am the, I am the investigative reporter because searching old rappers that left the mic 30 years ago, it became my specialty. Like there is nobody in the world right now I cannot find um, that I cannot find. You know, um, Ra, uh, what is his name? The dude that does Robbie e- Ethelstone that does Uncut.com. So, you know, for all the heads, you know, we know what Uncut is and how dope Uncut is and how different it is from anything out there in the world and how, you know, and that has to be an Australian guy to do it, obviously. Uh, he's been trying to find Hardhead forever because he was able to interview the Spear Chuckers who were the producers of the Hard Nuts album, but no one could locate Hardhead. <laughs> and I, I, I went on a journey, three, four month journey, digital journey, and I found his daughter. I was like, Alicia, is this your dad? 
He's like, yeah, that's pops. I was like, I I need to speak to dad. And he's like, she's like, dad calls twice a year. When he calls, I I leave the numbers. And then I said, tell pops I have money for him. And then I got the call within three weeks. And just to deal with heart head, which was super easy, and to be able to to re-release that wild pitch jewel. Because their record is, you know, obviously Jewels and, and We're Live, those are classics. You know, we can, th- those are all-time classics. But Hard Knocks is a special record. That is the one for me right now. Obviously, I love the Real Live. Obviously, um, I love uh, the b- Bombs. I, I was a fan of, you know, of the whole West Coast movement. Um, the BOMS, but real live and especially out to reek got connections. Wow. And that takes What's me back. What an album. What an album. What an album. What a production. What a year. I was in London in 96, like I said, and I'm in correct records, had an office in London. <laughs> and I met that since I was hustling labels for promos to, to bring back home, I met the correct guy. And he gave me Octariq's album and he gave me Crab and he gave me Black Attack and Manish. And I was like, man, this Octariq is so dope. You know, that crime pays when that hit. I was like, wow. So, you know, to be able to become a friend with Octariq, you know, it, it's really dope, man. It's really dope. And, and they're very grateful because people, you know, their doors are not being knocked at especially for for the material that was recorded back in the day. So I kind of come like a, they look at me like I'm, I have a lot of respect for their craft and it makes them feel good. And I want them to feel good about it. Dope, dope. Again, before I, before I hand over to Summit, just thank you. Thank you so much for the work that you do over there. As a music fan and a collector, it's so important to me just to have these things because I'm getting to experience hip hop all over again. So thank you so much. Thank you, man, for for appreciating it though. We do it for you. Appreciate you, man. So I, I don't have any other question outside of the fact that I think it's it's abundantly clear talking to you, having known about you and seen your name for so many years, it's abundantly clear to understand who you are and why you you are who you are. Um and I have to just rate that and salute that. I think um this has been quite motivational and inspirational in, in in many senses like i think that your journey has been incredible and i think that's obviously by no means done by any stretch of the imagination the things that you're doing with nice tapes is brilliant um one thing i'd always say is if you ever have any trouble finding anyone which i don't think you would throw it over to me and we can we can set a timer on it and go who can do it first that's fine. I don't need credit. I just like finding people from years ago. I love doing it. I okay. completely understand that process. It's great fun to try it to was. uncover people who are from 30, 40 years ago who don't have a digital footprint. And it's mad. And I think, again, it's all testament to, like I said at the beginning, to who you are. Like, you you are a student in the game. You know, you said earlier about, like, your friends with these guys. Why? It's because of who you are, bro. Like, authenticity is at the very foundation of rap. And <laughs> what you see with you is what you get with you. And I think people recognize that. Artists recognize that immediately. They can tell 
a fake guy from a real guy very, very quickly. And I think what you have is authenticity and abundance. So I just have to salute you, bro. I could be say I could go on for a whole nother four hours saluting you. But now we'll we'll let you get to to life. Um, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, my Chris was like, yeah, my fat feet. Like, yeah, how, how, that's no brainer, bro. But I know, I know, Chris is super, super keen on the '90s tape stuff. So salute to you, bro. And anything you you need from us anytime, yeah, for sure. We're here, man. Well, I mean, guys, thank you again. It, it's very dope that uh, uh, that you guys uh, show love to some of the unsung heroes of the game. Um, you know, cause not, you know, cause people want to, it's obviously, you know, you want to have, you know, the, the sure shots on but it, it, it's, it's dope that I have an opportunity to share my stories with you, uh, because at 90 tapes, IGs, I usually ask questions. So, and I, I was always a radio interviewer. So, uh, I was always asking questions and I, I, I don't really have a chance to tell my story, um, that I, I am proud of. So I, I thank you for the time and the opportunity. You know, uh, shouts to the Breaking Adams and the Open the Community. Shouts to both of y'all, and and let's keep in touch, man. And I think the better days, are, good days are coming. Um, we don't have to be necessarily um, in these days and times mentally. Obviously, we time is moving forward, but. It's a beauty of, of of history is to go back and explore it once again and see it from different angles and then you find more information and then you can put these stories together so things click oh this is why this happened with this to happen so for me that is the biggest high that i get to sort of like connect the history and and create a story in my head because i wasn't physically there i had to i had to find it from you know, from other people or from the radio shows or from just sitting down in these restaurants, drinking wine <laughs> and asking questions, man. Shouts to all, everybody that I, that I, that I interacted with, thousands of people. And you know what, man, I, I, I have a lot of hip hop friends in the world. And the lovely thing about hip hop is wherever you go, there's always one guy that is happy to see you, man. And, and we all shared sort of like a same blood so wherever you go, it feels like family. So that that's that's the most important thing for me in hip hop that is really family oriented. When it comes to the real, real hip hop, there's a lot of fake stuff, a lot of superficial stuff going on. But for people that like us, you know how they speak about the special cloths and stuff. It's the aesthetic and sensibility and the DNA. Not everybody has that in them to go so deep where you want to get to the bottom of everything. So I think this is us, you know, in this room right now. And uh, when you kind of like get to that level, sort of like a spiritual level of hip hop, it, it's 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 amazing, you know? Yeah, I, I wake up and go to sleep with it. I'm, I'm like, oh my God, 86, what a year. You know, Sam Sever, you know what I'm saying? Tricky T, you know? David, David DMX, like, you know, it, it it's it's fucking dope, man. And um and and I I did a Zulu and I also started the Zulu Nation here. So in ninety six. So it was always important for me to be down down with hip hop elements, the culture, the roots. And then obviously 
with the business development, I had to travel and I had to meet people, but never put that in front of the the the, the, the elements, you know, and what's what hip hop is. Nah, I love, bro. We appreciate well said, your man. time, bro. Well said. Thank you, guys. Peace. Peace. That was a very enriching conversation. I've got to say, um, I, I I see I see why he is where he is. Um, a legend, bro. Like that's, a, that's that's some legendary stuff he has done. It's continued to do so. I appreciate. It. Like I said, like it's very inspirational and uh, more power to him. And he's 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 got a platform here in it. So appreciate you for setting sure. that up too. My pleasure, bro. And um, shout out to Fat Philly for being. Uh, uh, an advocate of community over audience because there is a difference there's a big difference and I think a lot of people are building audiences and platforms for themselves in the name of community and collaboration and I don't like it I don't respect it but Fat Philly is an exception so so big up to him and big up to the 90s tapes crew the group chat thank you for sending my vinyl today appreciate you man yeah they, I, I'm trying to think what did I buy from them last the King T I'm trying that to think. Was I a bought something from them. Sorry, did you like the album, the King T one? Yeah, I have not listened to it yet. Bro, it's, it's fire. It's still it's wrapped in it. I, 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 you know, I don't. I have to have certain times to wrap okay. things up. But I, I, I plan to. Um, do you I listen? Do you listen to the vinyl itself? Yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. I, I have to wrap. I have to wrap everything open. I bought you a Defari, uh, uh vinyl actually, just like a, a white Why label. Why did you do that? Why because did you do it was, that? It was one pound. So. Bro, I was, love the Far Eye, you know. Yeah, I know, but it's, I've got some, like, I bought a the Far Eye LP a few weeks ago because okay. I go record shopping here and there. It was the Far Eye, like, in the one pound bin. Oh, that's um, kind of you, man. Thank so you. So I've got it. So I have to give that to you. I can't remember, I can't remember which way. Hello. Yeah, can you say, can you want to say hello now? Hello. Okay, that's it. That's your appearance on Breaking Out. Hey. Right. Let's wrap this ish yes, up. Appreciate Fat Philly once again. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> at Break the Atoms. Your handle is at I am Kinetic. Mine's at Hip Hop Chronicle. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Peace. Peace. <laughs>